Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to have another session of our focus on innovation and creativity and focusing on the natural food and wellness and health industry. I'm very excited today to have my guest, uh, Jared Golden of Entomo Farms. Um, and I'm going to speak up right now. Has anybody ever consumed crickets for human consumption? So this one you don't want to miss. It's actually pretty exciting. Jared's going to share a lot of things about, about what's going on. And first, I want to tell you a bit about Jared. Uh, Jared won the, uh, the Canada Clean 50 Entrepreneurship Award for Sustainable Innovation. Uh, he's a chiropractor by trade. He teaches at the Chiropractic College. He's been doing that for 25 years. And he's also a co-founder and VP of Innovation and VP of Innovation and Research at uh, at Etomo Farm. Sorry if I pronounced it a little off with Etomo Farm. So, Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good to be here. Yeah. So I'm curious. How the heck did you get involved in this? Uh, tell us your story. I'm dying to know. How did you get involved in this? I'm very curious, and I think it's so innovative. And I wonder what's behind it. Yeah, awesome. I, it certainly wasn't my mother's idea, I can tell you that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. basically, my two brothers have been farming insects for the reptile trade and the bait fishing trade for about 10 years. And in 2014, uh, the United Nations and the Food and Agriculture Organization put out a massive white paper. And the title was Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And it basically contemplated that without insects entering the food chain, you know, for us and, and feed chain for our livestock, the planet was in really serious, serious trouble. And around the same time, there was a gentleman on Shark Tank who had this idea of like dehydrating crickets, pulverizing them into a powder and putting them in a protein bar. And Mark Cuban jumped all over it. He said the future will be in this powder. And um, he invested in the business. And uh, I called my brothers up and I said, you know, the three, usually it's three ducks. In this case, it was three crickets lined up. And <laughs> we had them having a knowledge of, of how to do this. We had the FAO in the United Nations saying we had to do this. And we had a really smart entrepreneur like Mark Cuban who saw the business opportunity in consumer packaged goods, wholesale, etc. So we raised some money and we started North America's first human-grade insect farm. That was eight years ago, and uh, really the rest is really wonderful history. Well, well, well. So, so in the past, was was these crickets not for human consumption, or you are you are you the innovator that introduced it for human consumption? No, because you know, out east in Thailand, for example, there are thousands of insect farms or cricket farms, but the North American precedent is essentially that they can't be wild harvested; they they have to be grown for human consumption. Okay. And, and like okay. any food processing, um, there, there are laws in place that ensure health and safety for the people eating that food. And, you know, we've aspired because, you know, we've had products in Loblaw and, and other um, national retailers like that, where, where they have a, a certain expectation around safety, something called GFSI or BRC yes. certification, which are food safety certs. And it's funny because... It's an expensive and, and long process. And, and when we met with the auditors, they said, you know, usually they go to food facilities to make sure they're keeping bugs out of their facilities. That's so they're true. coming to ours, you know, where wow. our goal is to keep bugs wow. inside the facility. So Interesting. Well, you want to keep alien bugs, out, alien bugs out, I guess. Yeah. 
yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's like one of those things, I think it's called othering, where there's this assumption that, that bugs are more dirty than raw meat or raw chicken. But I can assure you, you're far more likely to get sick from, from raw meat or chicken that isn't processed properly um, than you are from a bug that, that may be running around your, your house. Interesting. It's interesting you say that because I can't get my head wrapped around eating crickets yet. I mean, I think about it, maybe a 100 years ago, we couldn't eat mussels. <laughs> I mean, it's all relative, but how do you, how do you over, how do you, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like that. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I remember the first time I went for sushi, you know, people yeah. in my family were like, are you crazy? It's raw fish. You're going to get sick. You know, now there's a sushi restaurant on every corner. The other great irony, Bruce, is that I think, and I'll get to your question, it's fascinating that, you know, people will take their children to a fast food restaurant for a treat or buy them pop or a Twinkie or candy. All food that we know causes heart disease, causes obesity, causes diabetes, that the refined sugar is a precursor to cancer. But no one sees that as icky. In fact, we call them treats. But our food, which research is showing, is incredibly healthy, you know, may, may help to control diabetes, obesity, colorectal cancer, like all, all kinds, you know, probiotics that feed, uh, the prebiotics that feed probiotics in the gut biome that reduce cardiovascular disease. That is seen as icky um, because of, of um, the culture for us here in North America. Our way around that for now is that we convert these crickets into a powder and the powder can be used to bake with. So you could have a banana bread or a muffin or a pancake. And you may, you may not even know that the cricket powder is in there and get all this incredible fiber, protein, highly bioavailable um, mm. macro and micronutrients. And that's the baby step. You know, like the California roll had no raw fish in it. And, and it got people into the sushi restaurants. And then they tried salmon or they tried tuna. And maybe they got more, you know, bold and tried some other stuff that, that looked weird. But, but these are stepping stones, you know. Is it, like, I'm just curious, the flavor, is there flavor to this? Or yeah, in the powder, like, if, let's say I put it into a smoothie, is it coming berry flavor? Is that, is that? Not, uh, not yet, but, but it can. You know, if you make it in a smoothie and you mix it with pe uh, peanut butter, that will cut the, the flavor. It's a very earthy, nutty, kind of like mushroom-esque, if you will, um, flavor. But that has a lot to do with how we dehydrate the crickets. You know, we use oven roasting, but if we use freeze drying or spray drying those would neutralize that kind of earthy disposition so you know we're, we're in the first pitch of the first inning of a double header here mm -hmm. and uh, we've got lots I'm, to do and learn i'm, I'm curious because you know i am a finance person i'm curious r d is a lot of that in this in this because uh, a lot of food innovators sometimes don't even think about that yeah well, from a for me, perspective you got some good yeah yeah, no, for me, it's a driving principle because I think our use case scenario, we used to think it would be all around the sustainability piece and that people would, you know, be interested in this because of the sustainability values. But we've learned that we're going to need a lot more than that. So I think the health benefits are what is going to drive the category. And like I said, you know, we just completed an, an amazing research study on, on B12 because it's so very high in B12 with a group of researchers in Denmark, 
We're about to embark on a study with Tufts University and the HNRCA looking at colorectal cancer in mice. An amazing study came out on the prebiotic fiber and how it feeds probiotics specifically associated with reducing heart disease. So, you know, and then we, we have, you know, we get calls from people like seniors with dentures that can't chew meat. They have a milk intolerance. They're withering away because they can't get good protein into them. And they're baking with the powder. They're having smoothies with the powder. And their family are telling us it, it's, you know, bringing them back to life, if you will. So I think, yes, R&D is, for me, obviously the focus, given my background as a, as a chiropractor, as a scientist. Um, and no, there's never enough money or funding, if, in my opinion, um, for this. We, we should have far more than we do. And, and, and we can maybe get into another tiny little interesting element just with the pandemic that we've just been through. Yeah. You know, what if the next pandemic affects birds? What if the avian bird flu wiped out every chicken in the world in a couple of weeks? So given the resiliency of an, of an, of an animal like a cricket, I feel government should consider hedging space all over their countries, big, huge warehouses, so that if we had a pandemic that affected cows or hogs or chicken or all of them, and our protein food sources were devastated, they could call on us, tap us on the shoulder, we could ramp up production in these facilities all over the country, and within a few weeks we could have this very rich food protein source available to, to fill the gap. And, and perhaps, you know, entrench itself and last forever. So, mm. you know, there's so much to talk about, Bruce. And, and I think given the pandemic we've experienced and seeing what these things can do, um, I think there's an interesting conversation in and of itself yeah. to have there. Well, that's the, that's the sustainability piece, right? That's the sustainability. I want to talk yeah, about and food, food security. Food, exactly. I want to talk, too, about we can share some learnings that you've had and to do this, obviously, you had to raise financing. Um, can you talk about that, how that went, the entrepreneur? Talk about the entrepreneur journey, because one of the things that, uh, you know, I deal with my clients, and, and, in the, in the, and, I, and I, I do a lot, quite a bit of work in the natural food space and the wellness space, uh, and I'm very passionate about it. You know, we all are. That's why you're in it. You're passionate. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your journey in the, in the, in the fundraising? Uh, what you've learned, what, you, what would you do differently? I, I want to share that. Sure. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, like so many startups like ours, in the beginning, it's really the people that know you well, like friends and family. And, and if you're lucky enough to have a connection, somebody who's worked really hard and, and made a bunch of money and understands what you're doing and really sees the long-term vision, you know, they're, they're, they're a conscious investor. Uh, they're not looking for a, a, a 10 times ROI in two years. They understand this will take time. And we were lucky enough to find that person, um, and he, um, get, you know, he um, took fifty thousand dollars and invested in us uh, for a small piece of our business, and it got us going, and it got it enabled us to kind of prove that that we could do this. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, um, Maple Leaf Food was at the table, and and they were looking at alternative proteins, and they're heavily invested in in the plant food segment, but. You know, Michael McCain met with us. He understood that what we were doing may have real legs one day. And they came on as a minority investor. Mm -hmm. uh, they have members on our board. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic to us. The, the board members have been. Maple Leaf Foods as a resource has been. And then most recently, we have a, an investor from Korea, a, an incredibly 
wonderful person and family. They, they have a massive, massive family fund. And they too, um, you know, want to do something that's important and something that's meaningful and something that can hopefully leave the planet better off than it was before they made this investment. So they, they are all capitalists and they all hope that, that we can make a bunch of dough together one day. No doubt about it. But we can do it in a way that's good for people and good for the planet. And, and we can leave a, a legacy business for our children or, or just something that they can look back on and, and be proud of these investments that they made in us and, and, and what we chose to do um, with their money. And um, that, that's, I mean, that's the story, you know, in terms of the learning lesson is, is never give up. There were nights where we thought tomorrow was the last day and the last minute somebody stepped up. Um, and uh, we never apologized in a sense for what we were doing and that it would take time and that this was not going to be an overnight success. Um, and, uh, you know, that we were determined uh, and that we wouldn't give up because, you know, having traveled to places like Madagascar where we have a farm there, you know, we're either going to make this our problem or we're going to make it our children's problem and certainly our grandchildren's problem. So we decided that we didn't want to burden our kids or our grandkids with a bigger problem than they needed to have and that we were going to, that we were going to do something about it. And what and what's the for for for, for the company at Etmo Farms? What is it? What is there an end game? Like, is there? Are you going to take it public? Is the are these things are these things under consideration or what? Sure. Just yeah, curious. I mean, I think for us, assuming that we don't, you know, that we're not going to, you know, leave this business to our children, and that we went down the capital equities route and equity financing, that our two exit strategies would either be to go public or to be bought out. And, you know, I, I would love to be the first publicly traded insect company on, on a national stock exchange. I mean, wouldn't, I that, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah. Be something? Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're basically a wholesaler. We produce this powder. We sell it all over the world. And people make pet food, the livestock feed, uh, protein bars, crackers, chips, you know, all kinds of different stuff. The pet food segment is definitely growing the fastest. We, we have a customer in California who now has a product in Petco. It's selling like crazy. And then the byproduct, which is the FRAS, uh, which is insect poop, if you will, is a fantastic fertilizer. And there's now a, a Canadian Tire, a national uh, chain here in Canada, um, is selling cricket frass manure under their brand Both Green. And, wow, and that's wow. super, super exciting. So every part of the bug is used, even the poop. It's a great fertilizer. And um, the end game is to have insect fertilizer be a you know a premier category. It's organic. It's safe. You can use it on the grass next to the lake up north, uh, indoors. It's non-toxic. Um, and uh, the food itself, you know, like I said to a journalist the other day, what water is to liquid. Insects are to food. And, and that's um, okay. So the so their part of your product is a raw material inside in other people's products. Is that how? Yeah, it works? mostly. Yes, mostly. So that's what it is. As a consumer, if I want to, can I go buy protein powder at Lob? I, I wasn't sure. As a consumer, like let's say I'm interested in being consuming. What, where do I go? What do I do? Is the from a consumer? I guess the protein powder is it a consumer? Is a consumer is a consumer product? Yes. How do well, I? 
like everything, you can go to Amazon. You know, our products are on Amazon, and there's all kinds of great products there. We have a brand called Actually Foods that's now available in Loblaw, and they're cheese puffs. They're super healthy cheese puffs loaded with protein. There's three different flavors. And, um, yeah, for most people, um, it's about using the powder in their baked goods, in their smoothies, chilies, pizza crust, pies. Um, it's like, a, like, a, like almost like a flour. It is, like, it is almost yeah, like yeah. a flour. We call it a powder because people, you know, the flour kind of devalues the nutritional value composition, but highly bioavailable nutrients, super healthy and really easy to work with in, in baking and cooking. And Could they go we're, to we're working with a, a group that's going to make a beer, a, a cricket powder beer. Incredible, um, incredible. Yeah. It's like the world, the world is endless. Like, could they go on your website and, 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 and it, it will direct them to where, where they can buy? So the website is w, obviously www.entomofarms.com. Oh, wow. You know, you know something, this has been extremely insightful. Extremely thank, insightful. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks so much for having me. It's no, Jared, I really appreciate, you know, the, these, we keep these short and sweet and and I, I it certainly, it's certainly, I knew nothing, you know, uh, because as we don't know, we don't know. Yes. People. And I Absolutely. find it very insightful and, uh, and I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. For thank coming. you for your interest and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Jared. Have a wonderful day. You Take too, care. Bye bye.